electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber along with Jim Cramer. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready to start another trading day with Jim and I not in our usual spots, if you haven't noticed. Our roadmap, though, does start with that push for a stimulus. Talks continued late into the night. Negotiators say a deal is near. But if not approved quickly, the government could shut down as soon as tomorrow. Plus, the FDA considers Moderna's vaccine candidate this hour as the U.S. reaches new highs for COVID infections, hospitalizations and deaths. California alone yesterday, shocking 54,000 new cases. And Facebook is upping its war with Apple over ad privacy, claiming Apple's privacy change is a threat to millions of small businesses. And, of course, the big reason that we are not in our usual spots is the major winter storm that hit the East Coast uh, late in the day yesterday and throughout the night. New York City residents waking up to more snow than they had seen all of last winter. Airlines have canceled hundreds of flights. And, Jim, the pandemic did not keep you home once. But the snowstorm, you've decided to actually be smart and stay put for just one day. Well, if they plowed, it would certainly be of assistance. Uh, I felt that when you see those spin outs uh, and skids, that it just makes sense to try to do the show from home. Uh, I welcome you to my home, David. I welcome all of viewers to my home. The one thing that I would say uh, is that you, you, know, you do have more fear of, of the pandemic when you're in any spot that is not what you're used to. I'm used to being at that studio. Suddenly I'm my own home. Like my home is scary. I'm supposed to be there, David. I'm supposed to be there. But you you brought up a bunch of negatives. I think the biggest negative we have to talk about is these claims. Uh, They're so high that you have to believe that one, Jay Powell knew when he spoke yesterday. And two, maybe it lights a fire under those people in Congress who are still jabbering. I mean, come on. How many people have to be laid off, David, before they say, you know what, we better move on this? I know. Not to mention those numbers, I think, on people falling into poverty yesterday or what is at least described as that. We're talking about millions and millions of people. We talk about it every morning. Uh, The juxtaposition, of course, of the market, which is surging yet again, Jim, uh, to to higher and higher levels. The Nasdaq, of course, has been an incredible performer this year. But the S&P aiming for another record high you see at the bottom of the screen. You juxtapose that with the suffering that's going on in this country. And a lot of people can say, well, I don't I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, I've had uh, spoke, spoke with Dave Calhoun last night from Bowen. And it's really interesting. Uh, this is not just a tale of two cities. I mean, you have people who have means who are going to get money from the government and have gotten money from the government and they are itching to travel. And people are starting to think right now, David, when we get vaccinated, these people will travel the world, though it's pent up demand. And then, then we have other people who for six hundred dollars that comes to them. I mean, they're looking and they're saying, OK, I, soup, 
Uh, maybe Christmas, maybe a Christmas turkey. Yes, David, I'm talking about Bob Cratchit. So we've got the Cratchits and then we got the Scrooges. The Scrooges don't mean to be Scrooge, but they don't know what else to be. Uh, I know. And it's hard not to. Yeah, it's it, right. Um, that said, Jim, if we do get the 900 billion, let's call it that, uh, even though it won't include, of course, uh, aid to state uh, and local governments uh, and it does get out fairly soon. Is that seen as a positive again for what we end up talking about a great deal for the economy uh, and for the stock market, broadly speaking, as well? I think that it's going to be. Part one, I think that when President-elect Biden gets in, it will be part two. So I believe that what's happening is people are saying, wait, we're going to get the 900 billion, but that's already in the market. But it's a second order, a second dollop that is targeted in the market. No, uh, I've got Brian Moynihan on tonight uh, from Bank of America, and he's talking about targeted stimulus and how great it would be. This one's not targeted. This is just, I believe, Good. The next one could be great for the people who really need it. So uh, if we do get the second one, David, we haven't gone up enough. There's more room. And that's how I'm approaching it. Yeah. You know, listening, I was listening, of course, to New York Governor Cuomo yesterday talking about at least a $12 billion budget deficit for the state of New York and the need for uh, money now and waiting until the spring, perhaps a more dangerous thing to do. We talked a lot about the MTA in this region, and I use them, of course, because they're reflective overall. But it's not just this region, Jim. It's all over the country in terms of the potential need for these state and, and local governments before they have to start making significant layoffs uh, in uh, in things like police, uh, which, you know, I think um, is a real concern still at this point for those municipal workforces. But, David, you also have to balance the other side. Lenar reported last night. It was a remarkable number. They are doing so well. And those houses uh, cost a lot of money. Toll Brothers, we go back and look. Maybe we were wrong and uh, we misjudged Toll Brothers. Housing is booming. Now, uh, Diana Oak was talking about, she was saying, listen, uh, be careful of the number that we saw this morning uh, for the starts. A lot of it's multifamily. I come back and say that a lot of the wealthier people who would normally pressure our politicians really don't have anything to pressure them about. And the constituencies that are most in need, I think, don't have as much say when it comes to government. I believe, David, that also this move out of the city is not stopping. When you listen to what you're talking about in California, maybe another wave in New York, people who I thought were going to stay are moving again. So new houses, that's what Lenar was showing last night, uh, moving to the country. Uh, I was talking to a realtor this week. David, they have people buying from Brooklyn. They're not even looking at the houses. They just want the houses. What is, now, you can say, oh, my dad is a sign of excess. I say it's a sign of health. They want to keep their health. Uh, and until we get vaccinated, I think a lot of people are just saying, you know what? It's worth moving. Maybe the vaccinations don't even work. There's skepticism about vaccinations, David, and inoculations that is so thick in this country that you would think that it doesn't work, that Pfizer doesn't work. And I, I'm betting on Pfizer, but obviously many people don't seem to be. Yeah, and we're going to talk a bit about that later as well with a couple of um, uh, doctors and, and those who run hospitals, because some of the numbers, even of the frontline workers who perhaps are reluctant to get the vaccination is a, a bit surprising. And again, that's anecdotal stuff. 
uh, Jim. It, it is still right. moving along here. We are still every day getting more and more healthcare workers inoculated, which is a good thing. And to your point, of course, we're talking still 94, 95% efficacy. And that should actually bring us to talk about Moderna, which we're going to be getting very soon as well uh, in terms of at least it being available. So there is going to be another vaccine on the market very soon, it would seem. I still think that it's a little chaotic, David. I mean, tell me where to go. Tell me what website I should go to. Should I go to CVS uh, because there's next? Should I get in line for, for March because of my age? Are, are long-term care people getting it? Are teachers getting it? Is it state by state as we are learning it to be? The chaos in Washington. I mean, honestly, David, let's, be, let, let, let's straighten this out. If I, I live in New Jersey and New York, I'm going to arbitrage which one I can use. Most people don't, aren't lucky enough that I, I have it, and I think they're just waiting and trying to figure it out. So you have all these vaccines, but David, where, where do you get them? Uh, how about the Regeneron? When are we waiting? When is the state going, the feds going to give the Regeneron to the states, you know, the, the uh, therapeutics? All I can tell you is, is that after the frontline people are done, David, we have no idea what's going to happen. No, you've made that point, and it doesn't appear to be as orderly as we'd like. That said, we, we can give it yep. a little bit of time here. Let's let's deal with the frontline workers first, or certainly everybody in the healthcare profession who's who's actually treating people who uh, who are dealing with the effects of COVID in the hospital environment or otherwise. And then we'll move right. on from there, Jim. Uh, but it's certainly good news that Moderna, of course, is getting close. You do mention Regeneron. It is worth mentioning. These monoclonal antibodies that we spent a lot of time talking about that are out there, again, emergency usage, both from Lilly and Regeneron, um, not getting used, apparently. No, and these stay-at-home tests are too expensive, David. Uh, I really am shocked. Uh, I have Dr. Mina from the Harvard School of Public Health on tomorrow. Uh, they've got a paper strip test that costs almost nothing. The government could just buy a couple billion dollars. Everybody gets it for six months. But no, I mean, it it just seems I mean, a lot of the cynicism, I think, is correct. It's a big money game, David. It's a big money game how this thing is playing out. And that's that's not unusual when you look at Washington. I mean, whoever there are, there are companies that are going to kill it on this. Is that the goal, David? Is it to find the companies that are going to crush it in the bottom line, not the not the actual disease? No, uh, and it seems very stunned. much unclear. It's funny. Are you One stunned day we or is that just more the like? Say again. Are you stunned or is that the bizarre delay that uh, we're having because you're in Australia and I'm in Greenland? Yeah, exactly. I know there is a bit of a delay today. I do want to thank my host, by the way. I'm going to call this Studio Sorkin. Uh, I'm uh, advantaged by having a close proximity to my friend and colleague, uh, and so. That's where I am. Um, yeah, they film, you know, they film billions from here, too. It's amazing what they can do at Studio Sorkin. Um, just What's kidding. Airbnb? But Jim, is, he gonna, is it Airbnb? <laughs> yeah, I'm, he's charging me. I'm renting the space for two hours. Um, you mentioned the vaccines. We want to get, obviously, as well back to stimulus and the airlines. But take a listen to Dr. Fauci. He's somebody you certainly uh, believe uh, in and have listened to. He joined us. Uh, on uh, from CNBC Healthy Returns Summit and was talking about the vaccine rollout. If you look at the cadence of the vaccinations in different priority groups, we hope that by the time we get to March, early April, we will have gotten through the group so that anybody who wants a vaccine can get a vaccine. And then as the supply increases over the months, 
you would hope that when you get into the second quarter of 2021, April, May, June, that by the time you get to the end of the second quarter, into the third quarter of the year, you will have as many people vaccinated as you need to get vaccinated. I hope that that number is 75 to 80 plus percent of the population. But Meg, it'll probably take a few months to get the, the highest priority people vaccinated. And then when you open that up for anybody, I imagine that somewhere we're going to be around April and maybe a little bit sooner. All right. So there's the man himself, Jim, talking about exactly what you were, although not addressing the specifics in terms of granularity uh, of the rollout when it gets into the larger population. Well, look, uh, David, one time when I was very little, I went to the high school uh, in Springfield High, Montgomery County. The high school was gigantic. And what was there for me but a little cop with a sugar cube, okay? And that was to cure polio. And the way we cured polio in this country was General Eisenhower, then President Eisenhower said, wait, I don't want any more polio in this country. Solve this, okay? Just solve this. I want everyone vaccinated. Now, David, here we've got, oh, McKesson gets it and CVS, and we saw Rite Aid had a good number. Maybe they're going to get some, maybe not. Maybe this ready clinics get it. Hey, maybe it's not available. I mean, what is this? I mean, we got a disease that's killing uh, really, hundreds of thousands around the globe. Uh, we've got something that I think is so patchwork as to be frightening. I believe in Dr. Fauci, but what am I going to do? Do I have a PC? Maybe I get the CVS. Oh, CVS is jammed. Maybe I'll go to Walgreens. Uh, David, this is crazy. Go to your high school. Get whatever's the equivalent of sugar cube. Wipe this thing out. What happened? Is it, is it just the free market versus what Eisenhower did? I mean, the free market doesn't know what to do. The free market's not set up to yeah. vaccinate people. Uh, I don't have the answers for you, yeah. Jim, but I can guarantee you we'll be discussing it in the weeks and months ahead. Before we wrap this conversation up, though, back to stimulus and back to the market itself. Airlines do appear to be a potential beneficiary, at least of an extension of aid as part of this package. That, at least according to some reporting we're seeing out there. And we should keep an eye on them. Your thoughts, at least, about the extension of another $17 billion or so to help them pay their costs? <laughs> I defer to Phil LeBeau, which would make me feel like that that's about seven minutes for these guys, uh, particularly because you see the flights canceling and there's a lot, not a lot of people traveling. And when I spoke to Calhoun from Boeing yesterday, I mean, he, he's if he wants to put hope in something, it's not necessarily our airlines. David, he talked pretty positively about if Biden does not antagonize and poke President Xi in the eye. Big orders from China, 737, 777-777-X and 787. I think China is not only solvent, David, but it's booming. It's difficult to, after all the years that President Trump was trying to make it so that it's a level playing field, it's the Chinese that are going to have to supply the orders for Boeing, not the five airlines we have up here. What a wacky world. Yeah, China's economy open and functioning at a level, unfortunately, that we have yet to see here. And again, come back to those those claims that you mentioned at the at the top of the hour. Jim, we're going to take a quick break uh, and get back, obviously, to the markets and the news. We when we come back, also Facebook criticizing Apple once again, this time using full page newspaper ads. Does anybody still read a newspaper? Well, we'll tell you what the social network's saying in those ads. And later this morning, the director of the FTC's Bureau of Competition, Ian Connor, that on the agency's antitrust lawsuit against Facebook. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back. 
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Facebook is stepping up its criticism of Apple's ad tracking and privacy changes. It's running newspaper ads to do that. The social network saying it is, quote, standing up to Apple for small businesses everywhere, claiming that Apple's changes will be devastating to them and limit businesses' ability to run personalized ads and to reach their customers effectively. Apple striking back in defense of its changes, saying, quote, it's a simple matter of standing up for our users. Jim, this has uh, gone to a, a new level, it would seem, of hostility in some way. Interesting uh, Facebook's choice here to sort of focus on small business and how they're going to be disadvantaged by this change, which is just simply going to make it much, more, much easier for people to realize what they're giving up and opt out in a way that they weren't previously. You know, you had to actually dig into your settings and do things that you might not have in, in terms of disabling certain parts of the Facebook uh, app. This is a, a classic debate. Uh, one thing that we know Tim Cook is adamant about, the CEO of Apple, is the user and the user's satisfaction. That company is about customer satisfaction. It's not about helping a business. It's Although businesses have benefited mightily, millions of people have benefited from writing apps, uh, Facebook has become a great defender of small business because small businesses do make a lot of money advertising. Uh, it's been a, a winning way to go on to Instagram. I don't know whether it's necessarily the right way to go on Apple, but uh, Apple has to defend the consumer. So, I mean, it's, it's a clash. David, I can't say that either side is right or wrong, but I'm an Apple user. And as far as I'm concerned, all that I've ever seen is are, are evidence of things that make my life easier. They do not necessarily make it so that I can buy small business goods easier. And I like that. I want ease of use and I want to know what th where things are coming from. Dave, I, I have no problem with that. I think it's great that Facebook's standing up for small biz. But as, as an Apple user, I think that Cook's standing up for your, the user. And that is the real beneficiary. You know, I, I wonder, Jim, it feels like I mean, we, we, we've talked through the years about challenges to Facebook in so many different ways. Remember the boycott from some of the large advertisers that was going on for some period of time? Didn't seem to impact the business. The, as we said, the FTC is uh, suing them, saying their business practices are anti-competitive, potentially wanting them to, at some point to, uh, to split the company up years away. If they ever get to a court, we'll see what actually happens. And now this. And in the face of it all, what happens to Facebook stock, Jim? Oh, it's good stock. It just keeps moving up. And one of the reasons why it's moving up is that uh, it's got great advertising and not just from uh, small medium, but also now for, from consumer packaging. But, David, let's face it. I mean, Twitter. Look at Twitter moving up. Uh, that Pinterest. Uh, Snap. I mean, this is where the advertising's going. So people are buying the stocks. There's a bunch of notes this morning about how advertising is going to be up next year. Facebook's participating in that. Uh, and I just think that in the end, Facebook knows that small, medium-sized business are, yes, to use Larry Kudlow's term, former, uh, well, still the chief advisor, uh, lifeblood, lifeblood of America. And if you think that, then you know that they're taking the side. And David, Washington does not go against companies. 
that embrace small, medium-sized business. Because that's holy grail, David. You know that. I do. I do. All right. Sit tight there, Jim. Uh, up next, you're going to have your mad dash, mad dash, of course. David, from Mad Dash, you yes. want me to light a fire? I want you to, I'll light a fire. Uh, maybe I want, you to, I want you to stand up so I can make sure you're wearing pants. We've got uh, Mad Dash coming up next. Look at this. Look at this, David. Guess what? Even at home, it's Brioni. <laughs> I slept in this last night because I don't like to take off any outfit that's Brioni. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. John Ford sits down with NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong and ServiceNow CEO Bill McDermott on the future of AI, live from ServiceNow's Knowledge 2024 conference in Vegas. Closing bell overtime, today, 4 Eastern, CNBC. All right, let's get to a mad dash as we uh, count down to an opening bell that's about two minutes away. Roku signs an important deal with HBO Max to carry it, of course, Really, in some ways, Jim, reiterating its power as a platform, something John Malone talked to me about a few weeks back. I keep thinking about what Malone said, just as when he, did, when he discovered Discover for me. Uh, Roku's really powerful. Uh, and, and David, they've got, uh, I think that ATT, HBO Max, needed this Wonder Woman 1984 to be on Roku which is really rather amazing. And so what's happened, David, is that you're in a situation where there is no opponent to Roku. They are it. And I just absolutely love them. I think that they're great. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to do it without. I don't know how to live without Roku. I don't know about what you do. Uh, yeah, I don't use those. It's funny. I've used the Samsung TVs and the and oh. the apps that are available, what, which obviously are, all of them are loaded ears? on there. Is it I don't, rab- you use rabbit ears. You use rabbit ears. Although I do. You don't do anything. Yeah, I do use the digital antenna because why, you know, get a couple of local stations and then stream everything else. But, Jim, your point's a good one. You still like the stock here. It's going to be up, as we saw, about 6%. We are talking about a more than $41, $42 billion market value now for this company. Do you know how to program a VCR? Um, I, I do think that when you look at Roku, David, it's actually, I could argue, not big enough, judging by what Malone said. Everyone has to bow down to them. But, David, let me ask you a question. How's ATT's balance sheet? Have you seen the negative? People are really starting to talk about how much it's going to cost to go to the next level of 5G. And people aren't happy. People are thinking it may be too expensive. And that includes Morgan Stanley, David. Yeah, I want to. We'll talk a bit about that about that Morgan Stanley report. We'll get the opening bell right now, Jim. Uh, And uh, yeah, they they mention, of course, the C-band auction, which we mentioned yesterday. I mentioned in light of uh, Dish's latest raise, which I'll get to also as you hear the opening bells, of course, and take a look at our uh, heat map back at the uh, back at our headquarters, where Jim and I usually are every day. Real time exchanges to remind people because of the snowstorm, we're both uh, indifferent 
locations. We'll be back in the studio tomorrow, I would uh, hope and expect. Jim, um, when Carl is off, I typically do use the opportunity to ask you a question that I asked you many years ago when you used to guest host on Squawk Box back in the day, which we've been referencing a lot lately, the late 90s and the like. What's the key to this market today? Do you have one? Yes, I do. Uh, It's a company that was on Mad Money last night. And it's the key to the market because it was a SPAC, David. It's called MP, Mary Peter Materials. Uh, This little company, it's $5 billion. But David, it's got rare earth materials that are needed for the motor, okay, Not not the battery, for the motor of EV. And this is the kind of thing that is happening, up 10% quickly, that is happening, David. The SPACs, you and I can criticize them. In the meantime, people are making a killing. This one actually does work. We need it. It's the old uh, molybdenum mine. It is doing quite well. But, David, it is emblematic of what's happening, which is that there is a SPAC a day. And this one is a good one. There are others that are good ones. I like Uts. I talked about that one yesterday. But then, David, we've got ones here with the barking dog, you know, bark, bark box. I mean, bark box. I mean, I got the chewy. Now I got the bark box. One point yeah, well, seven billion. Right, now, let's talk about bark it. Box, you'd say, Jim, it's worth three point nine, and you've been one. It's like buying a house. You, you uh, spent a lot of time. I know. I'm going to pick my computer up here so I can look right at it because I want to read some of the stuff about bark box. You spent a lot of time yesterday talking about Jonathan Ledecky, an old friend, frankly, from way back. We remember when he used to do the roll-ups back in the '90s. The owner of the Islanders. This is his spec. They moved very fast, by the way. Um, yes. Uh, to do a deal. Northern Star is the name of the SPAC. They've got the 200, I think it's a $200 million pipe that's going along with it. And they're valuing BarkBox at $1.6 billion. Um, they're going to give it $454 million of gross cash proceeds to invest in the acceleration of new and existing product lines as well as international expansion. And, I mean, we have dogs. We want to be good to our dogs. This is not just straight pet food. This is all sorts of other things that dogs Enjoy, Jim. Yeah, but Chewy gives us a lot of things. I, my dog, uh, Marley, managed to rip through every single uh, toy we bought from Chewy, but then we buy more toys. Uh, Chewy is, don't we, how many of these do we need? How, how, many, how many do we need, David? Do we need a lot of these? I mean, we have stores that have pet food. We have Amazon that has pet food and, and different uh, accoutrements. Uh, we got Chewy. So now we need um, being bark box. Bark box. Okay, there we go. David, it is, does this not feel a little like 2000 to you? I mean, come on. I mean, a little? Like, remember there was like a first Monday yes. and there was like a CGI and uh, uh, incubators. Yes. Ledecky's an incubator. Yes. I, yeah, I, listen, there, are, there is a feeling. Again, you and I had a, we had a discussion about SPACs yesterday. It's worth discussing them again. I think a lot of people are still climbing the learning curve in terms of understanding fully the structure. These pipes that go along with them, in this case, by the way, good investors. I mean, Fidelity is in there. A number of other well-heeled investors are also providing capital to the company as it merges into the SPAC and therefore will become public so that BarkBox will be competing against the likes of Chewy, as you say. Um, You can redeem. Let's not forget. You know, you get your shares typically at 10. If you don't like the deal, you can redeem. That's partially why some of the pipe money is there to back that up. And if enough uh, uh, shareholders vote against the deal, it doesn't happen. That rarely, if ever, actually occurs at this point. But, Jim, you know, it's funny because it's not as though on the IPO market things are just 
Did you see this company Wish yesterday? We had the CEO on. Significant value, yeah. 12, 14 billion dollars overall. Uh, you know, they don't like this term, but it's sort of a dollar store online. A lot, most of their stuff is sourced in China from small, medium-sized businesses in China to come here to the U.S. and other places <laughs> around the world. It didn't fare per- particularly well in its debut. No. Uh, well, you can. It proves that there are some stocks that the dogs won't eat. Right. I mean, uh, you put new and improved wish on that thing and it still won't matter. Uh, David, wish shows you that uh, when you wish upon a, a piece of coal here, I, I do think that there are there are things that people won't buy right now. Uh, that was a particularly bad piece of business. But now you're starting to see uh, like this, the, the companies that have come public. Let, let's talk about Chewy for a second. Chewy came on the show on Mad Money the night that they reported their quarter. I thought the quarter was great. The stock got slammed. Uh, people just said, you know what, this, this thing is no good at all. And then what happens? It then rallies. And, it, and that's because there are still people who are bearish, David, and they're quick draw and they say, no, that wasn't good enough. But then you've got these new types of investors, David. They don't care about beat by a penny, missed by a penny, uh, taking it at a target price up. They're not about that. They're about people who have dogs. They use Chewy. They like Chewy. They buy the stock of Chewy. They make money. Well, I mean, hey, yeah. you know, 52 percent a month. That is making some real money. We did see, by the way, shares of Context Logic. I did want to. That's the parent company of Wish, the symbol of which is Wish. It did have a bad day yesterday, but it's rebounding a bit. Yeah, your point's a good one. By the way, though, when we talk about IPO speculation, Jim, that gets me to uh, to this Chinese um, retailer, Wunong. Um, that was up 400 oh, percent on the up. second day after its IPO. Yeah. You saw this. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the SEC might give them a jingle, but, you know, the SEC is not as involved as I would like to think. Or maybe a senator. Can you know, like there's like 100 of them. Someone must look at this thing. I mean, David, this is a travesty. And there are people who are going to lose money, uh, but we don't really care. I guess it's all caveat emptor. But you and I both know, David, this is not what an orderly market looks like. And Wuhan Net Tech Technology reminds me of Wave 4, which is a company I said was a bad company. I called it uh, Wave Fraud or something. Mark, the late Mark Haynes was there. And the government called me, wanted to know if I was shorting at that point at my hedge fund. And I wasn't short it. And they investigated. And by the time they completed the investigation, the company had gone out of business. I mean, who knows what this thing is? What are the, what are they the technology that. of? I remember. Wave, I know. wave fraud. I remember it well. Wave fraud. But come on, Jim, it's only it's only up 763% for the week. I mean, maybe you're not being fair. Uh, by the way, that was a good case. No. By the way, we did, right. or I say, when I say we, I mean uh, Squawk uh, Box, and actually the man who sits in this chair, Andrew Sorkin, talked to uh, Chairman Clayton of the SEC about, about IPOs, and this one particularly. Take a listen to what he had to say. There are more retail investors participating in the market um, than ever before, and we're seeing that. And one thing that we don't regulate um, directly, Andrew, is euphoria. Um, And we're seeing some euphoria here. I think I've heard other guests talk about euphoria. Um, You know, when stocks run away, um, like the ones you mentioned, we do get concerned because um, it, it it is a situation where Professional investors understand this. I do worry that retail investors, um, you know, do not understand that trees don't grow out of the sky. Uh, it kind of sounds like some of the things you've been saying, Jim. But, David, that's not, this is not euphoria. This is not euphoria. This is broken. Something's broken that that happens. We want the SEC to look into anything that's broken. 
where we got to figure out that this wasn't euphoria. This was just something that is uh, simply uh, it's like going to a store and seeing something marked up big and hoping you can buy it and then return it for more money. I mean, I don't think that that this is euphoria. Now, yesterday, uh, we had uh, the Massachusetts regulators uh, coming in, talking to Rob, Rob had $65 million to end SEC probe. But uh, there was a Massachusetts regulators that came out against Apple in 1980, literally saying that there was too much euphoria. I don't, I look, euphoria to me is not good at all. But uh, an orderly market where you have something that goes up, well, you know what? That may be a mistake the long term. But this thing, David, I mean, it's just it's inconceivable that that's that that passes muster with the SEC. I mean, why not pick up the phone and call them and see what what's what's wrong? That's wrong. It's not euphoric. Yeah, it's just wrong. Well, sometimes they have a hard know. time catching up. I mean, we can just up. sit I mean, here and say are, caveat they, emptor. We can. We can. Uh, buyer beware. True, without a doubt. Uh, at the same time, by the way, buyer very happy if they bought on Tuesday or Wednesday. Extremely. So, um, you know, it's all a matter of if you get it and are able to sell it to the next guy. There are, you know, there are these trading platforms. We talk about Robinhood all the time and some of the others. There are also Chinese trading platforms, by the way, similar in nature that are well traveled, uh, well, uh, well populated right now, uh, Jim, also. And I don't know right. if the SEC has, has any you know, insight into them. No, it, look, I, maybe I'm asking for too much for a regulator to make a call and say, you know what, Dave, you know, Andrew, I looked into this one. This is not the kind of thing we want. It doesn't have anything to do with euphoria. It has much more to do with magic. It has more to do with alchemy. Uh, and we're against alchemy. Uh, people want to pay a lot for Airbnb. They argue that maybe Airbnb is worth twice what it's selling for because it's a real product. But here's some Chinese company. We don't know what it's doing. We don't know what's up. How about protecting us? How about protecting us from a sham, a sham system of stocks? Now, I don't know if Wuhan Net is probably not a, it's not a sham, but I'm saying that the way the market is is, is not justifiable. Someone has to say, you know what, we don't want the next Wuhan net to occur because people are going to get hurt eventually. You're not going to look if you buy Airbnb and you stayed at Airbnb, and you like Airbnb and you thought it was worth a lot. That's one thing. But if you have no idea what this thing is, it's a Chinese company. They priced it, whatever. It's doing whatever it wants. I mean, no, that's not what the government yeah. should favor. The government needs to. I'm not saying that Airbnb is worth 170 or worth 90 and the government should step in. The government has to recognize that not all companies are created equal and not all exchanges are created equal. And they should say, you know what? We don't want this kind of Chinese deal. Where's President? Where's Peter Navarro? <laughs> Peter Navarro? I don't know how you're, why you're mentioning Peter Navarro. But Jim, real like quickly, want to Chinese get to Bob. companies. What? Oh, you're right. Right. I want to get to Bob and, and the broader market. A couple of things. We mentioned AT&T briefly during your mad dash. You were referencing a, a Morgan Stanley report. It's not necessarily negative. They're just simply talking about free cash flow and the dividend uh, and how much money they're obviously going to spend on the C-band auction, which is very important to their strategy as well of creating sort of a mid-band spectrum that they need for 5G. You can see the shares, which have been performing fairly well lately, uh, are off a bit this morning. As our shares of Dish again, you know, you talk about speculation, you talk about things in the market. I mean, Dish is pricing a $2 billion uh, convertible. It's non-callable. It's got a 35% conversion premium and no, no coupon. 
So basically, you got people who are using the convert to get into the equity in a senior fashion. Because remember, in the capital structure, you're, you're treated more senior. But that's it. It's basically, that's what it amounts to. Dish continuing to raise money for its 5G rollout, Jim. Uh, we'll be watching all of it closely. And the C-band auction, by the way, going to raise some money for the government. does keep going up in terms of what the companies are willing to pay for various regions. So that, perhaps a good thing on the revenue side. Lord knows we need more revenue. But... but but, David, what happens if ATT had a secret division on the 13th floor of the Empire State Building where they traded Bitcoin? Then what would happen? Think about that. Uh, I don't know. Bitcoin. The stock would be higher. Yeah. I, I don't, no one knows about that 13th yeah. floor operation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Bitcoin. you're talking about. Or even what you're referencing. The Empire State Building does not have a 13th floor. It goes 12 to 14. It's a joke from Man from Uncle. You're too old. You're too young. And you use rabbit ears. Oh, uh, You're right. I am. Man from Uncle is one I completely missed. (laughs) But here's a guy who may have gotten it. And that is Bob Pisani. Because he's just a little tad older than I am. Bob. And, uh, yes, I'm your Ilya Kuryakin. Thank you very much. And that's a reference that Jim would remember very well. Happy Thursday, everybody, to all the baby boomers uh, out there. We've been talking about the S&Ps just having trouble around the 3700 range for a while. I've been complaining about it. It's tough to break out. Well, we're out. We broke out. In fact, we've got a global breakout. But let's just take a look here. We're decisively at new highs on the S&P. Uh, sector-wise, it's fairly broad advance. Banks are not really participating today. Ten years down a little bit. Uh, from yesterday. But materials, tech's got a new, that's a new high for the tech sector for the S&P 500. Consumer discretionary, that is a new high for consumer discretionary as well. Retail's been on fire recently. That's the XRT you're looking at. That also is at a new high as well. And as I mentioned, banks are lagging here. I'll tell you what I don't see. I don't, I see the S&P at new high, but I don't see a lot of new highs. And this is that top heavy nature of the S&P where the top 25 stocks have such large market capitalizations. They can push the S&P to new highs without having a lot of new highs. Those that are there are primarily, of course, uh, semiconductors continuing. Teradyne and Broadcom are routinely on the new high list. Teradyne is as well. Seagate's a stalwart up there. ServiceNow is coming in and out of the new high list. But you get the point. Top heavy, large market cap stocks tend to move the indexes these days. And that's certainly what's going on with with the S&P 500. I mentioned this is a global breakout. Uh, And just look what's going on today in Asia Pacific. Uh, we've got uh, Australia, China have been doing well. The MSCI Asia Pacific Index is at a historic high today. In Europe, I watched the Dow Jones Stock 600, which is sort of the S&P 500. That's the highest since February. But the EFA Europe, Africa, Far East Index, is at a new high uh, as well. Um, this is all being helped, the strong performance overseas, by the weak dollar. The dollar is at a two-and-a-half-year low. That's the dollar index against the basket of six other currencies. And we've got commodities moving. Uh, the crude oil is at the highest level uh, since February. So if you look at the positives and negatives right now, the market really loves what it's seeing. So it's got the positives here, the vaccine, the low rates, the liquidity, and the stimulus, all positive, the belief in a stimulus coming. The negatives, we know what's going on. The COVID winter, you see these terrible initial claims, 885,000. Uh, rich valuations, 22 times forward 
22, uh, 2021 numbers, and extreme bullishness levels. Sentiment's very, very, very high here. So the macro setup is good. The overarching trend is higher. It's more about leadership stocks, folks. Small caps versus big caps, growth versus value. Tomorrow, big rebalancing for the S&P 500. Tesla's going into the S&P 500 and Boy, this talk, we could have $80 billion of Tesla to buy, and that means $80 billion to sell the rest of the market. I'll be all over that and do a little explanation of the nature uh, of rebalancing. Very interesting moment for the S&P 500. Let's go over to Rick Santelli in Chicago. Hello, hello, hello old friend. How you doing? <laughs> hey, Bob. Very well. And I, I'm going to pick up right where you left off. Yes, we did not have a good initial claims number. That 885000 I brought out at 830 Eastern is a three-month high. Now, we have a three-month high there, and then permits, even though it was mostly multifamily, permits was the highest number since September of 2006. We call it 14 years. Which one do you think the market paid most attention to? Jobless claims. Look at an intraday of 10s. Yields moving down rather aggressively on all the long-dated. 30-year bonds are down three, tens are down two, curve flattening by about two basis points. So really, claims is giving us the better direction at least according to the fixed income markets now if you look at a two-day we could see where we're failing we're failing in the mid 90s the high close that we've had is right around 97 basis points that's the area to the downside you have to give it a little room though because really you could trade all the way down to about 75 three quarters one percent and you're not going to really change the long-term look of the chart which looks like rates want to go higher just in no hurry at the moment Foreign exchange, that's where the big battles are being played. Look at a two-month of the pound versus dollar. You won't see a higher level because it's the highest level in 31 and a half months. Look at the euro versus the dollar for two months. Almost the identical chart, also comping back to the last time the euro was this strong was April of 2018. So let's keep that date, April of 2018, and go to the dollar index because all three are comping to the same place. Yes, the dollar is now under 90. It's definitely weakening, and many believe it will continue to weaken. The real key is, and I'll continue to say it, AD, after distribution of the vaccine, and how different aspects of the economy will change. Maybe the biggest thing that will change is how devilish the Fed will be and how their purchases will be moving forward. David, Jim, uh, back to you. And keep watching in about an hour. I'm going to have the Stanley Black & Decker CEO Jim Lurie on for how behavior has changed with regard to using and buying tools in a COVID-related world. Thank you. Back to you. Hmm. All right. We'll be uh, tuning in for that for sure, Rick. Thank you, Rick Santelli with the bond report. Still to come right here on Squawk on the Street, getting skeptical healthcare workers to take the COVID vaccine. We're gonna discuss that with a pair of hospital system CEOs. Squawk on the Street's right back. What made me so alarmed and scared and frankly angry was the apparent scope and magnitude of this breach. The American people deserve to know because this attack was virtually an act of war. We need a, an overhaul, after we clean up this mess, of our nation's cyber defenses. Jim, you know, it was over eight years ago when I did that uh, documentary on Chinese cyber espionage. The focus then, uh, and was early, was, uh, was on the Chinese attempts to obviously steal secrets from corporations and something that was just starting to get up to the board level in terms of a concern. But I've been trying to focus on this, Jim, because it's a national security concern. Obviously, corporations are still a part of, all of the cyber attack story overall. In this case, it appears to be Russia. 
Um, you talk so often about the companies that provide defense, but man, this is, you know, potentially a large, big problem if you listen to Senator Blumenthal. Well, I, I talked with Todd McKinnon last night from Okta. Okta is the leading identity company in the world. They, and Todd said, look, a lot of these happen because of legacy systems that have not been updated throughout the, throughout the country, where you literally have on-premises security that's easily breached. Uh, and that th if you spent some money, it wouldn't occur. Now, you could say that Todd's just talking his book. They, uh, he obviously wants Okta to be involved. But, uh, David, we all know that there are legacy systems that haven't been updated. We all know that that's just wrong. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is the vendors. Solar Winds, of course, the key here. Solar Winds 123 oh. was the password. Are you kidding yeah. me? Uh, we'll take a quick break, Jim. We'll come right back, of course. At least use stop your trading. dog's name. Right. Solar winds. Uh, Marley. <laughs> All right, Jim, uh, what is on the big program this evening? Here we have Viva, which is a SaaS company for healthcare. Uh, we've got Bank of America, David, and this is about small, medium-sized businesses, what they're doing to, in minority area, which I think is pretty great. And at home, Lee Bird, they're sold out of things that you need to be able to have good, uh, let's say, fire pits outside. I'll try to get some, though. Mm. Yeah, those fire pits are key. There you go. And they are popular. David, why are the uh, exchanges allowing this into... stuff to happen? I don't know, Jim. We can talk about it again tomorrow when we're both back in the studio. By the way, be we careful. Will. I assume you're going to make your way to the studio today for Mad Money I've later, got, so I'm be with careful some out there. I'm with Andy CNBC. I have total confidence I'll be there for Mad Money. Grab a rice cake and head in. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.